I'm here with Bill Buttons, uh, and he is Bill is uh, Bill is. I, am I reading this right? You had chicken pox of the butt. I and you describe that for me, Bill. Well, it was quite itchy, Glad. It was quite itchy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it quite it was quite itchy. And it it, it it didn't spread from there. It was just in the butt. Stayed there. Right. That's the only place I itch, and therefore that's where it okay. stayed. And I'm I'm reading here that this might not be the regular chicken box. Oh no. Yeah. This mm. was just called because you uh, apparently have chickens in that area from time to time. It's attached to the coop. They, what? The chicken coop. Really? That's where they live, and I've attached it attached to what? that particular Your, area. A tube. A tube? A tube. And they go through the tube? They do go through the tube. <laughs> it's a high traffic area. <laughs> a lot of pain there, oh. I guess. <laughs> oh, my. It, it's, a yeah. good, it's a good pain, but yeah. it is a it's lot painful. of pain. Yeah, yes. a lot of pain, a lot of pain. Have you done anything for that? I've, well, I've increased the size of the tube, yeah, that's what okay. you mean. Well, that's one way. Have you tried Relief Factor? I have not. Perhaps. I <laughs> definitely have not, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point they're very thankful that I have not. <laughs> because they don't, I don't think they necessarily would want to be associated with this particular procedure. Well, I was uh, wondering where we were going with I'm this <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> well... I don't know if you have chicken pox of the butt. I don't know if it can help you, but Relief Factor is there to relieve your pain. You can try it for three weeks. If it doesn't, you know, if it if it doesn't help you, just stop taking it. But millions of people have taken it already, and seventy percent of them go on to order more month after month. Call one eight hundred the number four relief. Feel the difference. And go to my website. <laughs> I don't even want to know about that. You'll feel the difference. Here's the podcast. program it is thursday by the way if you're a blaze tv subscriber uh, i'm doing a uh, interview with uh ron paul today haven't thought really? of, yeah i haven't thought of ron paul in a while hmm. there's a guy who was pretty right about things on the economy and the dollar and everything else i'm going to be doing a one-on-one with ron paul that's uh, interesting i haven't heard an interview with him in a long, a long time. time long yeah. time yeah oh, wow yeah well, it'll be interesting to see um i just uh, you know Look, we all know there is a back and forth between the Israelis and Hamas. You know, there's two sides to this issue, and that's what's important to understand. Sure. And there's one side that is, you know, murdering and raping and beheading the other side. And then Mm -hmm. the other side who keeps, you know, I mean, they're part of that, too. They're getting the beheading, beheaded. and That's right. It takes two to tango. Takes two. Thank you. Yes. Takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. And I've been hearing a lot of these headlines that this is my favorite one from Axios. Their headline to the story is anti-Arab and anti-Semitic hate crimes are surging in New York City. Mm. Now, now, it's both sides. Yeah. Right? Like, both. it's happening to both. Right. Now, we're going to lead with the anti-Arab one. Yeah. Anti-Arab and anti-Semitic. But anti- it's both sides. That's what you need sure. to understand. Got it. Both sides. Right. Here, it's happening. Are there any and- stats or anything to that article? Uh, I don't know if we need to go into that. 
You know, we just know that both anti-Arab and anti-Semitic hate crimes are rising. Are there any stats at all? Well, there's some. Okay. You know, there's yeah. some. Okay. You know, f- like for, what? Well, for example. In the same article. In the same article. Yeah, all right. This is the evidence that yeah, they're both okay, going sure. up. Yeah, okay, sure. They're both going up. For example, um, in September, mm-hmm. there were 16 anti-Semitic hate crimes in New York City. 16. 16. 16. Right. And that has risen in October yeah. to 69. From 16 to, to 69. 69. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a right. huge increase, sure. right? Yeah. You know, and then so that's that's what we're talking about. That's no, we're to, but what is the comparison? I mean, because they led with the anti-Islamic, so there has to be a lot. What what did we start with? Twenty five, and uh, we're now up to one hundred and twenty five. No, 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 no. What are, what are we? We started. It was it was less than twenty five. Oh, yeah, we started what, with. What did we start with? One. One. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what and it is? It's up to eight. Huh. So look, that is an increase. Yeah, it and is. percentage-wise, it's even more it than is. the Jewish increase. It is right, but it's However, still half of the, the starting re- yeah. line. So think about this: we're getting <laughs> yeah. a both sides uh, yeah. pr- presentation uh-huh. 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 of a- the anti-Arab attacks, which have mm. risen and have risen, according mm. to this article, sure. to half of a normal month for Jews. Hmm. Okay, not half of what it is now, but half. Of, of a, a normal, normal, typical, you're a Jew right. living in New York City, no attacks going on overseas. <laughs> right. Got it. It's now risen to half of, of that. that amount, okay. right. or one ninth of what it is okay. now. Sure, but you know, it's going up on both sides, okay. Glenn. So let me let me tell you something that I Ugh. found in Vice today. Oh, uh, because they got an opinion on this, and this should tell you everything you need to know about why the Islamophobia thing is coming out, why they are giving you one-ninth and comparing it. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to this. Around 40 people affi- affiliated with the National Justice Party, a white nationalist and anti-Semitic group, gathered in front of the White House to protest Israel last weekend. The group was led by blah, 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 longtime white nationalist who previously used the alias Mike Enoch, and he was one of the architects of the deadly 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. And Vice was probably the top news organization that covered that event, sure. right? Like they did the big documentary sure. about it at the time. So they right. were right there for this. They know this group. So Israel... Quote, is a pure genocidal state. Make no mistake, he told rally attendees over the PA system. We're Americans. We've been snookered into supporting Israel by Jewish control of our banks, our media, and our politicians. But we have to say enough and rise up as people. Now, that was that was the white supremacist? Or was this that white guy, or yeah, this it- is No, this is the guy talking in front of the White House, okay? Okay. And he's speaking in front of the White House, anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian rallies. Okay, the same guy that was everywhere. Apparently, you know, after Charlottesville, there were Nazis everywhere. Oh, I remember white that. supremacists, the number one threat to our nation. Could not get a tiki torch at Home Depot. Right. There was, okay. They were using them all for all, racist rallies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now listen to the way they're now described. Their small demonstration Uh was dwarfed by the hundreds strong protest that flooded the streets of Washington, D.C. 
But his rhetoric is an example of how far-right anti-Semites are trying to use the pro-Palestine movement, hijack some of its language criticizing the Israeli government's actions in Gaza, and then use that as a vehicle to push anti-Jewish conspiracy theories Uh and tropes into the mainstream. Yeah, because, you know, when Mm -hmm. you you read that statement about how Jews control the banks and everything, and I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah, if that was a trope. If it was a trope or not, because or if it was a statement from Rashida Tlaib's office. The presence of the National Justice Department in D.C. shouldn't be seen as an indication that there is some ideological kinship between oh, the group. No, definitely okay. not. They are now oh. saying that the people who are saying pretty much the same things, there's no ideological <laughs> kinship. Gosh, these people okay. are shameless. Okay, so listen to <sighs> me. Listen to me. Fringe extremist groups are first and foremost opportunist and will leap at any chance to insert themselves into a popular movement. Tell me when they've ever said that about the right. They are also going on to talk here about they're not pro-Palestinian. They just hate Jews. They see this um, moment as an opportunity to get attention coverage and their banners and their images, their ideas into reporting patterns. Okay, that's Vice News saying this. Mm. You know and I know that when you support Hamas, when you are calling for a ceasefire of on Hamas, you are basically saying we should give Hitler a chance to catch his breath. They are saying Hamas saying the same things that Hitler said, and they are even saying it currently that that is their goal, that they will that the Jews will look at Hitler kindly in comparison to them in the coming years. So what is happening? Why is the White House doing this Islamophobia thing when the numbers don't bear it out? They're now trying to push national socialism as something on the right. I'm against socialism in all of its forms. I'm against collectivism in all of its forms. Listen to this. The Israeli government says their goal is to eradicate Hamas, which controls Gaza after the militants entered on October 7th and took hundreds hostage. UN experts say that Israel's retaliatory actions in Gaza amount to collective punishment. Now, what is that? What is collective punishment? Is that like saying all of one race is responsible for, I don't know, uh, slavery? All of one race is responsible for uh, all oppression? Is that saying all of one race is responsible for killing Christ? Is, is, that, is, that, is that what you mean by, I'm sorry, collective punishment? United Nations is that because I understand that being wrong. In fact, individual salvation is what I've been preaching. But you have collective justice. You have collective salvation. So a U.N. expert says that the reason why Israel is so wrong is because they're into collective punishment. 
What is happening? I'll tell you. The media is laying the groundwork. You, if you are for Israel, know that you are going to be hated because you stand for the chosen people. Doesn't mean I agree with them as a state. There's a lot of things they do. I mean, they're a real socialist state. I don't like that. They can make huge mistakes in war. I don't like that. But I will stand with the chosen people because I know the covenant requires. But you're going to be hated because who you're standing for. It is going to become less and less popular. They are going to turn this whole thing around to where they can be screaming death to the Jew, but they're not hateful. But the Nazis, they will put once again into our category. They will once again say, see, the, while they're dismissing them now because they're marching with the Palestinians, they certainly didn't dismiss them in Charlottesville, even though everybody I know thought Charlottesville, thought January 6th was an abomination. Nobody said in January 6th, hey, let's separate the good guys from the bad guys. Not, let's not have collective punishment here. They are telegraphing where they're going. The whole Islamic phobia, the whole uh, craziness of what we've gone through already before, just in a much worse package, is coming. They're going to turn this all back on top of us, and we will be the hated ones. Because we believe in the Constitution, we believe in God. And we believe God keeps his promises. So be it. But just mentally prepare for tough times ahead. For anybody who wants to stand and stand uh, for the next right thing. This is so transparent what they're doing. They're leaping through hoops to distance themselves from socialists, white national socialists. I'm sorry. In, in Europe, it might be left is communism and right is fascism. Here in America, it is left uh, is socialism, nationalism, authoritarianism, all of the isms and on the right it's small limited government and then beyond that would be anarchy no government the american idea is keep it out of anarchy but keep the government as small as possible so you don't have tyrants Be careful who you stand with. Read beyond the words in the news. What are they setting up? They are setting up a state that is going to claim there we are nothing but Islamophobes and white supremacists. That's what they're setting up. 
Meanwhile, they are erasing the frickin' names of American birds. Stu's going to do something on this uh, Stu Does America tonight on this, and he'll do it again tomorrow. But it's, it's crazy how, that's, how that started. But all they're doing is just erasing our way of life. Prepare to preserve our way of life. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. The very last Beatles recording has just been released. I heard it earlier this morning and haven't been allowed to play it until now. You're going to hear it. It's called Now and Then. Its story begins in the late 70s when John Lennon recorded a demo with vocals and a piano at his home in New York's Dakota building. 1994, Yoko gave the recording to Paul, George, and Ringo, along with John's other demos. Those demos were completed as new Beatles songs, and they were released in, I think, 95 and 96. But now and then, they got together with Jeff Lynn, who's a genius of a producer. He's the head guy of Electric Light Orchestra, ELO. Um, and they couldn't do it because they couldn't get John's vocals separated from the piano and it was muddy and it it just wouldn't work. But the guys went in and recorded everything. It didn't work. And Jeff Lynn said, you gotta wait, maybe new technology someday. Well, someday is here. That was in 96 Now in 2023, AI comes in and Peter Jackson comes in and he says, I think we can separate those tracks now and clean them up. So thanks to AI, the very last Beatles song will be heard. 2021, the release of the Beatles Get Back docuseries directed by Peter Jackson. It was an award-winning film, audio restoration, using Wingnut Films audio technology. Jackson team had demixed all of the film's mono soundtrack, managing to isolate the instruments and the vocals from the film tracks. All of the individual individual voices within the Beatles conversations. This is what opened up the door. To go back to the master of now and then. So they took the same technique to John's original home recording. They cleaned it all up to get his, the integrity of the original recording, but clean. Then last year, Paul and Ringo started out trying to complete the song. Besides John's vocal, now and then includes electric and acoustic guitar recorded by George in 1995. He's no longer with us. Ringo's new drum part, bass, guitar, and piano from Paul, which matches John's original playing. Paul added a slide guitar solo inspired by George. He and Ringo also contributed to the backing vocals. And here it is. For the first time, now and then, the last song from the Beatles. One, two, three. 
the Beatles. Uh, an incredible, incredible story. That's the second time I've heard it now. Um, I heard it first thing this morning when I got in, and I really, I liked it the first time. Thought it was okay. I really like it the second time. Yeah, I like it. I that's, it's good. That's good. It's amazing. <laughs> it is incredible. I mean, if you think about the the, the vocals, think about what's coming. More than forty years old. Think about all of the things that have been lost. All of, you know, mm. I don't know if you ever listen to any. Billie Holiday or any of these these classic classic blues and jazz singers you know even the old Edison stuff how you're no longer going to hear that filtery you know and back in 1927 <laughs> you'll you'll be able to restore them you'll be able to restore the Hindenburg and with uh, AI actually not just colorize it really bring it to life that's incredible think of all the quirky new creatures they'll be able to add to past star wars films that'll be that'll, that'll be, be great. great it's gonna be that'll fantastic be so cool this is great and though because jar jar binks could be running the hindenburg <laughs> we know what happened this is really this isn't like a you know cgi thing right no, this, no, this is, is really just restoring restoring it and which is which is really incredible now, I mean, imagine he was in the dakota so he's in his room and he's just cutting a demo, so he's probably cutting it on a reel-to-reel or something, you know, just in his home. It wasn't for sound quality. No, and to clean it up that much and be able to separate the piano completely out from underneath him, that's incredible. Just incredible. It's even incredible from just a few years ago. Yeah. You know, it's not even, like, look, we talk about AI a lot in a lot of negative ways. That's a good one. And there's going to be a lot of negative things in theory with it. Yeah. But there's a lot of positive stories. Oh, incredible some miracles coming. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to talk to you about learning from one another. And this is something nobody wants to do, but we we have to. If you become like quite honestly, I have been at times in my life where I just don't have anything to say to these people. I, what am I going to talk to them about? I have nothing in common. What that means to me is I don't think I can learn anything about them or anything about how they got to where they were. And that's when all progress stops. All progress, all learning stops. It's really bad. But right now, none of us want to talk to each other because we all feel like we're all surrounded by enemies. I want to play some audio, a conversation between um, a Republican representative and a Democrat representative. Listen to this conversation. I'm Dean Phillips, and I'm sitting with Tim Burchett from the great state of Tennessee. The only place in America where people don't speak with an accent. You know, going to your district was really illuminating to me. You know, I saw the beauty, and, and I recognized that that's what we got to do. Got to break bread together go to each other's homes, you know, the people unwilling to talk to one another are the problem, period. Doesn't matter your politics. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've been in elevators when people will get in and see somebody in there and then they'll turn around and get out. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, are y'all 12? Yeah. We got a freaking country to run, man. Frankly, I think it's a dereliction of duty to avoid conversation in a place that's designed to provoke it and promote it. 
Agreed. And, and I'm a conservative. I'm a, you look at my voting record. Kyle. I can't even see your record because it's so far to the right. My peripheral it. vision. I know it. But like me and you, when we agree, we agree. When we disagree, we disagree. But at the end of the day, we're still friends. Yeah. If we're not modeling it, why would we expect the country to be kind and respectful and you know, love each other? Yeah. Thank you, brother. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. This is the kind of conversations that we should have if everyone's entering in on good faith. If you're just playing a game and not telling the truth on one side or the other, then you're not going to you're going to waste time. But if we have a few things in common, like, hey, let's save the country, then we can have real productive conversations. Dave, I say, is uh, with us. Dave started 20 years ago. StoryCorps. Um, this is something that he works with the National Archives and all of the stories of America just gets regular people to come together and tell their story. And it's all preserved for the national archives. Um, and then he's also started something else that we'll talk about here in a minute. Hi, Dave, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on Glenn. Yeah. Um, so 20 years ago, what was your idea? Well, you know, the, the the idea was to take journalism and kind of turn it on its head because when we do interviews with people, it's for a lot of people to hear. That's the yeah. that's the purpose. And I had been I had been uh, making documentaries for decades, doing radio for decades, and I saw that like people being interviewed it could have an impact on their lives. And I wanted to try something that turned everything around and said that you know the final product doesn't matter. We want to give everybody the chance to be listened to. So we set up a booth um, and then many booths across the country where you can bring your grandma, your your mother, a friend, and you sit for, for 40 minutes. And as you know, the microphone gives you the license to say things you've never said before. Yeah. Um, Unlike social media. Yes. <laughs> the microphone, at least to me, is, um, I don't know, it's, it's almost permanent to me in some ways, you know, it. It, well, radio, as you know, is and, and as you've shown, is magic. I mean, it's yeah. like it's so intimate when you're driving in a car and your radio's playing, that person's whispering in your ear. Yeah, you know, it's right. like they're there with you. Right. Um, and and, you know, social media is the ultimate in impermanent. And mm-hmm. what we were trying to do, and it's it's the the Library of Congress that gets oh, all yeah, of the these interviews. Of Congress, yeah. That um, you know, these are conversations that are built. That you know, we don't even know what they're going to mean to families two hundred years from now, a hundred years from now. So it's a chance to say the important things to the people who are most important to you. You know, again, the opposite of impermanent. You know, it's it's shaking you on the shoulder and remembering like what's important in life, and then at the end of forty minutes of talking to your loved one, you get a copy. And another one, you know, go it lives on, and you become part of American history. Today, we just played the the very last Beatles song ever yeah. produced, and we were talking about what AI can do, you know, and restoring stuff. Can you imagine if there was a guy like you, if we had the technology, and we could have recorded the voices of the families in the Civil War that split inside? And yeah. what we could call from that information, what we could learn from those conversations back then. Yeah, it's it's um, you know I, I think what we're what we're collecting through StoryCorps because we're not talking about our CVs, we're not really talking about what we accomplished. Yeah, we're talking about what we've learned. So it's the wisdom of humanity, and we need you know what, as you were saying before, you know that that interview between the two members of Congress. Imagine if every member of Congress was like that. It ends with these two guys saying, I love you. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, I when do you ever hear that? The, pro- the, the, the problem is, too many times is, you know, Jefferson said, question with boldness even the very existence of God, for if there be a God, he must surely rather honest questioning yeah. over blindfolded fear. There's just not, people are playing games with their parties and everything else. There's not enough, you know, I can sit down against somebody who vehemently disagrees with me and I disagree with them and say, look, there's a bigger thing at stake here. Can we get here on this, on this particular thing? And if you're dealing with somebody who doesn't have an agenda of winning, just has an agenda that is honest, they'll go, Oh man, it's killing me to work with you, but yes, yeah. let's do that. And yeah. there's just not enough of that. There, well, there's not enough of that that we hear about. Yeah, there's but not, the truth yeah. is, as you know, I mean, we both. What well, I mean, I think the thing that we share a lot in common, but our fierce love for this country. Yeah, and having been out in this country and understanding the country, so what we hear is not real. Ninety percent of the country. And this is not, I'm not making this number up. Yeah. 89, 90% 90 of the country are the exhausted majority. Yes. They are sick of the divisions. They want to figure out a way through. They love the country. They want better things for their kids. They want another way. It's just that in places like social media, you know, like the shouting wins. And StoryCorps is an effort about whispering in people's ears. And I think that that's, you know, and whispering truths in people's ears. So how do we, how do we get this how how do we make an impact here so i uh, well uh so it's very hard <laughs> mm. yeah i bet and there's a lot of money on the line you know against like rooting for us to hate each other yes and there's a lot of countries who like like nothing more than to see america fall apart oh yeah um so um we're it's an uphill battle but i i tend to think and i don't know if if you agree but I think in the end, good wins. Oh, yeah, I agree. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it just depends on, you know, it's like, you know, everybody always says the truth will set you free. Yeah, it'll set you free. It'll make you miserable first Yeah, because you got to pay for all of the mistakes. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what we have to go through to get there, but good will win. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I really believe that. And I also, I know that the people of this country, you know, are good. I do too. <laughs> I do too. And um, what we have to do is we have to change the social norms. What is happening now in this country? This is not normal, and it's and it's in in no way okay. Um, I just saw a statistic that was um, that was released last week, where twenty three percent of Americans. This is as of last week say that um, we may have to resort to violence to save our country. I saw that. Now, that's up from 15% in 2021. So in 24 months, and you and I see each other, you know, we've probably seen each other five times in 24 months. Yeah. We've been, so it's increased by 50%. And it is like we can't see each other through. We have to realize that no matter what our politics are, it's that just, we're just people. It's you know? so frightening because we are... We are um, we are living in a place, I mean, like, for instance, I don't want to get all pol- political with you, but, um, you know, this this Israel thing, I can live with people. There are people here who disagree with me on Israel, and they have, um, they think they have more compassion for the Palestinians than I do, but I, I, I don't want to see anybody's children die. Right. I hate that. Right. Um, but I can't tolerate 
excusing terrorism. You cannot, you know, the ends do not justify the means or you become that. If Israel went in and started just shooting innocent people, um, I'd have a problem with that. We didn't do that. Hopefully we didn't do that in World War Two. We didn't hate the Germans. We needed to stop the Nazis. We hated the Nazis, the German people we were fine with. Palestinian people I'm fine with. Hamas and terrorists I'm not. <clears throat> but we are still being pitted against each other. And it's really hard because you feel like I, I don't have anything in common. If you can't see that, how, how do I live next door to you? But I, th- I think that if if um, when you sit uh, again, it's it when you sit down with people and you just talk to them, you're going to find out you have much more in common than you think you do. Oh yes, and that and that and and I, I, I so um, and if you look at what's happening, and that's what we don't want. We don't want anything like that. What's happening in Israel to happen here ever? Yes, and that's what happens when you have a completely polarized society one of the things that can happen and we can't let that happen we have to keep seeing each other as human beings no matter what and that's what one small step is yeah. you do story core and then one small step yeah and this audience is the largest contributor to the conservative yep. side right yeah and and i i have to so so what story core we've had seven hundred thousand people who love each other have these conversations and yeah. one small step just our strangers talking to each other across the political divide, not to talk about politics ever, just to get to know each other as human beings, because it is, it's hard to hate up close, um, as, as you well know. And uh, the, the Glenn Beck audience is our, it's our largest. Uh, so w- things we hear about the Glenn Beck audience, smart, nuanced, decent, patriotic, you know, not and 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 interested in listening to other people. Yeah, they are the ninety percent. <laughs> That's great. They are the ninety percent, and every and and the the interviews that happen with Glenn Beck, like people are so excited when a Glenn Beck listener participates because no, so it's going to be a good conversation oh. um and so you should know that about your i, I mean you're probably I not surprised this audience i'm yeah. not yeah I, this this so, audience is completely different than i think most audiences around in right. many and different ways probably people who are don't aren't familiar with with your show mm-hmm. or just kind of are, are ju- like yeah. think probably think your audience are bananas or yeah. something like yeah, I'm sure you know do. Yeah. Not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying <laughs> Not that. Not true. Thank you. And and this is this is and, and and I actually think that the look, I we are thinking about the election and we're thinking about the aftermath of the election and what what's gonna happen to this country. I I, I mean I, I know you and I have been talking behind the scenes yeah. for years. Yeah. Um and there's a tsunami coming at us. You know, there there's a there's a poison that's running through the the veins of this country. And in one small step, we have a small antidote to this. What can we do? We can just fight. We can just fight with what we have. And what we have right now is one small step. And I hope that people in your audience will sign up and be a part of this. How do we, we have, do that? So we have thousands of people on a waiting list. If you're a Glenn Beck listener, top of the list immediately. <laughs> really? You go right to the top of the list. Wow. So um, go to takeonesmallstep.org. TakeOneSmallStep.org. It's about five minutes to sign up, maybe less. Just sign up, and it's a one-hour conversation with someone across the political divides from you. Uh, it, you know, look, in this 
in this environment, like people are nervous <laughs> doing oh, this, I know you they know. Are. But they come out the other end and they have a friend. That's so great. It is so great. So if we can, and and we're just fighting to get this to scale as fast as we can before the election. I mean, this isn't going to end after the election, but look, no matter who wins this election, this election, half the country is going to think it was stolen. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Dave, I know we're going to have a meeting after the show, but um, give me the web address again. It's takeonesmallstep.org. Okay. Take one small step. I can't recommend this highly enough. And if you're somebody that wants to make a positive difference, help take this step, please. Take one small step.org. Sign up for it. Na, 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 na. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. 